Hello. This is a continuation of our reflections on Jesus' death and resurrection. Our reflections made more poignant than ever this year by the continuing lockdown we're experiencing, the suffering we see all around us and across the world, both as a result of COVID-19 and as a result of the financial crisis it has tipped the world into and most especially the recent deaths of two very dear members of our Teddington Church community, Esther Hammond and Malcolm Cavan. What can resurrection mean in the face of our experiences today? How are we being affected by it all? What is life going to look like when we all come out of lockdown? What is life going to look like with our loved ones gone? So I have chosen for today to look at the story in the Gospel according to St Mark. Mark's Gospel is likely to have been the first written. And the strange thing about it is that the earliest manuscripts omit the two alternative endings included in the Bible as we have it now. The original Gospel of St Mark probably ended like this. When the Sabbath was over... Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Much ink has been spilt over why Mark doesn't tell of any resurrection appearance. For myself, with my built-in need for closure... The ending leaves me wanting. I guess it was the same with the gospel writers who tried to craft suitable endings so that we're not just left watching the three women dropping their spices in terror and amazement and scarpering. Mark's abrupt ending feels like an intentional cliffhanger, an invitation to us as readers and listeners to respond to become a part of the story, to take up the imperative of the the angel, to go and tell. But the thing about cliffhangers, whether in books or films, or indeed a gospel, is that they do leave us feeling distinctly uncomfortable. Surely not, we say to ourselves. Surely that can't be everything. Surely we must have missed something. And whether in curiosity or frustration, 
our immediate response is to flick, or maybe these days click, back, right back to the beginning. In my beginning is my end, wrote T.S. Eliot at the start of his poem East Coker, turning the motto on Mary Stuart's chair of state around. And at the end of the poem, having taken us on a journey through human life and human history, he comes back to Mary Stuart's motto, In my end is my beginning. And so I turn back to the beginning of Mark's Gospel, where we find that his opening words are the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And Mark launches us straight away into the prophecy of Isaiah, Jesus' baptism in the River Jordan by John and his ministry. Mark's beginning is as abrupt as his ending. This is a gospel writer in a hurry, writing a gospel, good news, which appears to be circular. But the journey of following Christ, though it may be circular, is not pointless. It is known as the via negativa, the negative way, because paradoxically, it's only in knowing that we know nothing and are nothing that we can move on at all. It's only in desiring nothing that we arrive at having everything. And it's only in losing everything that we gain anything at all. In this week, when we celebrate VE Day, I recall the code poem written for Violette Tsabo, the brave British agent who died in the Second World War and whose story was immortalised in the film Carve Her Name with Pride. The life that I have is all that I have and the life that I have is yours. The love that I have of the life that I have is yours and yours and yours. A sleep I shall have, a rest I shall have, and death will be but a pause. For the years I shall have in the long green grass are yours and yours and yours. On his journey, Jesus Christ loses the life that he has. He dies on the cross, but in so dying, the Roman centurion on duty recognises who he really is and repeats the words with which Mark began his gospel. Truly, he says, this man was God's son. In a sense, if, like the centurion, or like Peter before him, it has dawned on you that the man Jesus you have been chasing after through the Gospel of Mark is the Christ, the Son of the living God, you don't need a resurrection appearance. It is enough, enough to know that his life and his death and his love are yours and that you are changed by knowing him. Let us pray. O Almighty God, 
who alone canst order the unruly wills and affections of sinful men. Grant unto thy people that they may love the thing which thou commandest, and desire that which thou dost promise, that so among the sundry and manifold changes of the world our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.